Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for June 20th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at, ben, at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You can set up a one-time donation or a reoccurring one. If you click the red box, that says sponsors podcast. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Low. In case, it, we finally hit Texas summer, man, and I am worried for my crops. And it's funny you mentioned Texas summer because right now I'm watching some Chicago White Sox against these surging Texas Rangers who are having a, a pretty delightful Texas summer, it seems like. You know, uh, it, it, it's interesting how this team has basically decided, yeah, no, we we finally got an ace pitcher to want to come to Texas, and he blew out his UCL, and now Nathan Avaldi might be the AL starter at the All-Star game at this rate. It's wild. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I, you know, I watched them, watched them last night beat up on the White Sox, and I, I determined, hey, these guys are pretty fun to watch, and it really wasn't until... I don't know, a few weeks ago where I realized, oh, the Rangers are really good this year because I just assumed the AL West would shake out with the Astros away above everybody else. The Angels being super disappointing uh, and the Mariners and A's being bad as they always do. And then, you know, sure as shit, month into the season, I was like, wait a minute, Texas is good this year. That's awesome. And uh, they are they are very good. Yeah, I still think they have the second best record to the Rays, but it, it it's something that like last year, they were kind of setting things up that it was kind of a disappointing season, but like the big idea was like, all right, we got Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon in here. They had a pretty down year, but now they're kind of back to their all-star kind of caliber. And you're just adding people like Adolis Garcia onto it, really coming to their own. And it's, it, it does not have the vibe of an 09 or 2010 Texas Rangers team by a near Like there's not really like those kind of players that, mean something to the fan base at this moment but it's 
kind of interesting. Like it's the, the for once that's not really done by like Texas's farm system. This has been mostly open to pocketbooks and case you were able to watch that game last night. I can't because Texas is one of the uh, diamond sports group teams. Okay. And what's the, I, I, I don't think I know everything about the diamond sports group issues. What's going on there. Oh, this is the SBG uh, sports bankruptcy. Okay, where, well, okay, like, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, awesome, yeah. great. That's yeah, a great industry. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic industry. And the Rangers were like one of the first like few teams that were the, that cashed in on the local sports deals. Like they got their deal done like right after they came out of bankruptcy. So like their deal, I think, was expiring closer than anyone else who signed it but like they were one of the last teams to still get paid by Bally sports and then they finally filed against them it, it, it's such a mess but the the most rangers games i see now because i refuse to pay 20 dollars a month for Bally sports and i'm too lazy to permanently vpn my router to show that i like live in iowa or something it, the only time i see is if i go to games or somehow it's a nationally televised game it, it, it it's obscene you know, I'm on the YouTube TV front now because I make enough money to buy some sort of cable package for the first time in my life. And YouTube TV obviously has Sunday ticket coming up with the NFL season. And they have NBC Sports Chicago, which has White Sox games and Bulls games. So I made the pivot here. Super happy customer. I really like the service. Yeah, you know, it it was a pain when I was doing the move dealing with youtube tv like letting them know like no i'm now permanently in dallas fort worth but i think out of i've used several streaming services now at this point but youtube tv it it, it, it say what we will google had it figured out and it's easy it works on every device that it's, it's the one i go with like i've youtube tv still here's my problem and we'll talk about the massive dragon gate news that broke last week in just a second but i i have an audience here I have a smart audience here. Smart people listen to this podcast. I have an issue with my Chromecast, which is how I stream YouTube TV. Do you follow me so far? Yes. Uh, is this an original version Chromecast, or is this one of the newer ones, Android TV slash Chromecasts? I think it's one of the newer ones. I okay. bought it, it, a, it, I bought it a few re- weeks ago. Okay, so it has the remote with it. It has the remote with it. Okay, so I'm with you. If, you. if you don't know the solution to this, that's okay. I'm hoping one of our listeners does. I bought this Chromecast about a month ago, and part of the appeal was that I could cast Google Chrome to my TV, which means Drangate Network, New Japan World, Wrestle Universe, etc. All of a sudden, one day, that option went away. And when I go to cast now, it says no devices found. I've restarted the Wi-Fi. I've restarted the Chromecast. I've booted and rebooted everything I know how, and I'm still getting told no devices found. If anybody can help me out with how to cast from my computer to my TV, I might make a financial, maybe I might make a financial donation to a cause, uh, whether it be your wallet or a charity of your choosing. It's driving me crazy that I can't figure this out. All right, I, I I do call, I do tech call support for my parents all the time. Um, look, look, my first thing is you've you you've expended everything on the device side. What about your Chrome browsers? Or have they been like? Is it something where maybe the Chromecast has been updated and the uh, browsers versions have not been updated to be? I, I, I'm on aligned? the I'm on the I'm on the newest version of Chrome. Okay, then I don't have a clue. 
I don't know what happened. I didn't do, I didn't change anything. And then one day I I went to watch the Fukuoka shows two weeks ago and the cast option went away and I spent hours plural trying to figure this out and I couldn't get it. I could have watched both of the shows just on my laptop by the time, you know, with how long I was spent trying to fix this issue, which I ended up having to do anyways, it's driving me nuts just because I can't fix it and I want to be able to. So if anybody has any advice, Voices of Wrestling Discord, open the VoiceGate channel. It's the premier channel for Drangate Talk and Tech Solutions. Please help me out. Well, usually I'd have a pithy way to segue into our next topic, but uh, let's just get, I guess, straight into it. Uh, official word came as of 6.27 a.m., Central Daylight Time, that's 8.27 p.m. Japanese Standard Time, initially on June 17th, but a later version of this announcement went up on the 18th. I'll read the one from the 18th. Uh, This comes from Dragon Gate uh, Japan Pro Wrestling's official English account, Dragon Gate EN. Hashtag Dragon Gate has come to terms on the release of Kento Kabune and Takuma Fujiwara following a suspected severe breach of contract. Attempts to resolve the issue weren't successful in finding a mutually satisfactory path forward. With their consent, their contracts have been terminated. So, the shoe dropped. Yeah, at a time where I don't think either of us were expecting, because as we walked everybody through two weeks ago, and if you're looking for in-depth analysis on the release of Kento Kabune, SB Kento, and Takuma Fujiwara, two weeks ago, Mike and I had this uh, before... Drangate released anything. We had more information than Dave Meltz or anybody else who had talked about the situation. And we'll victory lap in just a second. But two weeks ago, we we covered a lot of this. And I believe the phrase that we used was uh, what behavioral issues, severe behavioral issues. And it's not far off from what was said there. Uh, I think you and I were expecting this to either happen in early May when we were first tipped off to it or right after Kobe World in July. They sort of snuck it in the in-between here, but it is it is now official what we've been saying for a few weeks. The uh, underground Dark Dragon Gate Twitter rumor has come to light and it is official SB Kento Takuma Fujiwara no longer associated with Dragon Gate. Yeah, and I, I guess on the surface, my uh, like reaction of this, like... The time frame, I wonder if it's something that, like, they had the Okinawa tour this weekend, but there's really not much happening between now and July 1st. So this is the time to kind of get it out there. Like, they have done this in the past then. And and ironically, this the, these Okinawa and Hokkaido show tours have had these kind of things uh, surround them. At least it feels like over the last few years, because... Was it Okinawa or was it Hokkaido that was Ishida and Okuda's last uh, shows as Dragon Gate wrestlers? I it was it was Okinawa that was their last shows, and then I think Ishida went first, and then Okuda went. But it was it was this time last year it was essentially one year ago, right? And uh, and Ishida's was later uh, later announced. So this is not a uh, this is not completely out of usual i guess is what i'm kind of say trying to say with this uh we we also already have known uh both sb and takuma and after the official release came out they both uh tweeted out their recognition of the release both of them basically saying see you soon one pretty standard form of there but straight after that we've seen 
Now, a lot of announcements for them, including their first matches outside of the Dragon System officially last weekend and Big Lucha. Yeah, so they worked the Big Lucha show on Saturday night. You can find that link on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I will warn anybody, uh, the audio for that match sounds worse than my voice does right now, and I do apologize for anybody that's going to suffer through this episode, but the Big Lucha stream had a bunch of tech issues early on. The first half of that match, the audio was all out of whack. The second half, it gets better, but as I as I said to some people that asked me, and I, I think I said this somewhere else, maybe in the Discord, it's worth suffering through audio issues because, you know, we haven't seen these guys work since January. They have not wrestled in front of a crowd since January. And, it, you know, when the, the way the world works now, out of sight, out of mind, everything is so forward facing and in the moment and we lose sight of things. This was a reminder and it's not that we all needed it, but it was a reminder of like, oh, these guys are really good. This, this is a special tag team in the partnership that they form, which, you know, I don't know if that was the goal when they first went to Mexico, but it's, it's sure as hell the goal now. And uh, I thought it was a very fun match on the Big Lucha show. Yeah, and it seems like in the post they have launched a YouTube channel. The, they always, like since Excursion, kind of have been somewhat of a package deal, uh, at, at least in Mexico. And especially with like the team with Crazy Boy and AAA. Like the thing I'm interested in seeing is Nishikawa is still a part of uh, AAA and was aligned with those two. So I'll be interested in seeing how that plays out. So let me let me help you fill in the gap there. And, you know, this is part scoop that nobody else has reported yet. And, you know, I do I, I don't I don't say this to, to gloat in any way, but I, I do think it's worth reminding people that maybe didn't listen two weeks ago or already forgot, you know, we. We made it very clear. Kento and Takuma like Japan, or I'm sorry, they like Mexico. They like living in Mexico. They are now living in Mexico City and are actively looking for Lucha-specific bookings. I know there is human instinct to go, well, they were in Dragon Gate, and then they worked Big Lucha, and Big Lucha has Black Generation, and so SB Kento and Takuma are going to Gleet. And look, if that happens six months from now, I'll, I'll be more than happy to come on here and say that I'm wrong, but that is not what these guys are looking to do. They are looking to live and work in Mexico, and specifically AAA, and of course they get their release from Dragon Gate, and what do they have? They have a AAA music video that went up on their social medias over the weekend. They are expecting to get a push in AAA. They do not have contracts at this point. That is confirmed. I reached out and confirmed that over the weekend, but they are expecting to get a push in AAA. As for Takuma Nishikawa, who went over there uh, with SB Kento last summer, and, and Takuma Fujiwara obviously worked with him over there as well. Shun Skywalker did when he was in Mexico. And for La Estrella, who is currently based in Japan, but will be back in North America this summer, working in both the United States and Mexico, they are allowed to work on the same shows as Kento and Fujiwara. Uh, right now, although nothing is official, Conan is looking to bring La Estrella into AAA. Basically what has happened over the last year, and I don't say this in a, in a, a joking matter, this is what has happened, is that Conan has learned that Dragon Gate wrestlers are really good. And he said so on his podcast, the uh, the Keeping It 100 podcast, which, Mike, I know you never miss an episode of. But Conan has learned that Dragon Gate wrestlers are really good. 
and then they pick up the Lucha style very fast because of the way they're trained. And with Estrella coming back to Mexico, now Conan is interested in booking him. It was asked on one of the sides, is it going to be an issue if Estrella is on the same show as Kento and Fujiwara? And Estrella from the Japan side said, no, it won't be an issue. So going forward, we might still see Nishikawa there with Kento and Fujiwara. We might see Estrella on the same shows as Kento and Fujiwara. We'll have to see. But, you know, come this summer, there's a chance that Nishikawa... Kento Kabune, Takuma Fujika, uh, Fujikawa, or uh, sorry, Takuma Fujiwara, and La Estrella are all in Mexico at the same time. Yeah, and I think that in of itself, if you're a longtime Dragon System fan, or even someone who's come along since the OWE split, that in of itself is a different tenor than other departures. And that has to be said, because, I mean, Yamato even completely mentioned this on the... Uh, the, the All-Star Junior Festival show that Dragon Gate and Glade don't do anything together. That's It's intentional. That That's how it is. And that's why, like, whenever I saw a lot of that, I just kind of a little bit rolled my eyes in my head. But also, it's just like, that's not... The, 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 that's an inaccurate reading of the situation. Look, I, I think it's an uncomfortable situation for everybody involved, you know? Like I told many people when this story first started to surface... I just can't believe that these two guys are gone. These are the blue chip prospects. These are the guys that I thought would one day headline Kobe world and they would do it against one another. And while there does seem to be a public uh, degree of understanding loosely what happened at this point, the situation is still more complicated than I think a lot of people realize, which is why they were released. It's not the simple story of they were doing something that wasn't culturally appropriate in Japan in another country, and thus they no longer work for Dragon Gate. There are layers and layers to it, and at some point, maybe those details will come to light. Right now, and I, I believe I said this to Rovert, of all people, because he's been following the story, because, of course, you know, a lot of what they do in Japan, let's say three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, but when these guys are grown adults, because right now they're not, will depend on if this story stays what it is, which right now it's a story, or if this story becomes a scandal. And at that point, what Japanese companies will want to touch them, will want to work with them, will want to book them. Because right now on the surface, if you just go, oh, wait a minute, these guys are free from Drangate, I think you'd be foolish to not try to bring them into your company, whether you're in America, or I'm sorry, the United States, Mexico, or Japan. But if you're in Japan, there's another layer that needs to be assessed there, and that will determine a lot of their future. But right now, the focus for those two is Mexico and AAA specifically, and down the road, we will see what happens. Yeah, no, did just to put a finer point on it, this is, trying to think of how I want to say this, I, in case I think we're having a mind melt here, you might be able to help me out with this. The way that things are phrased is very intentional, and I think that that's worth keeping in mind and i think that's also has a lot of stuff in play with mexico with them wanting to work in mexico as well i don't know if this press releases this press release of it if there was more of a oh they're jumping to another promotion in japan thing you know do you do you think the official statement was softer than what you were expecting uh no no i i, I mean the language used i mean i think I like let's not pull punches here. I think that the vast majority of people have been able to connect dots and 
with those dots out there, this is what I about expected, unless there was something else that happened that would have been completely new to at least me. I don't know for you, but it would be, this, for, from everything that we've been hearing for the last six weeks, this was about what I expected. Maybe the language and the translation being a little different. How about you? Well, I, I only ask because... You know, this is obvious, obviously a serious situation. That's not an understatement. It's, you know, the result of it is like, wow, these guys are gone, gone. I mean, that's what that's what we, re- we reported. We knew it was going to happen. Then you still see it in the flesh and you think like, wow, OK, all right. We we were right, but God doesn't suck to be right. It does feel like that statement left the door open 1%. Whereas in the build to the official release and some of the things that I had heard, some of the people I had talked to, it seemed like this was going to be a, uh, for lack of a better term, a banishment of sorts. And I don't, I don't think it's that, you know, they're, they're not on good terms. They're not working for the company, but okay, let's, it it did feel like let's have a conversation down the line. And I, and I think you can, you can, uh, sort of see where I'm going with this, where, you know, some guys on the Dragon Gate roster are of a certain age, and at some point they will go away and there will be a regime change. And I think the next guys in power, in the same way that we've seen Kondo come back and we've seen Ultimo come back and we've seen Super exactly. Water come back and all these returns. Okay, now when when the next generation is in power and specifically the next one, I think it'll be very interesting to see what becomes of everybody involved in this situation. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, it's something that if, if there was going to be like a more firm initial statement, they would have made it. And that, and that potential future door would have been very clearly shut. Right. Like if I, I, I'll say this case, part of us and the way we handled this thing is, was, reflexive on seeing what the home office was going to do right like it, the, for the last six weeks as we've been reporting talking to people and getting this nailed together we are still waiting to see what was going to happen and ev- everything kind of in a way happened the way i was kind of suspecting and in the way of doing that i don't know necessarily like i i i the door open is something that I still can potentially see. I don't know if, if it's like a regime change, a uh, seniority based thing, or if it's something that, you know, four or five years from now, you know, I mean, who's to say w- what might happen? I mean, like four or five years ago, case, we, it, we, if we're talking five years ago, it was 2018, 2018, we did not think Ultimo was going to walk back through that door. No, and you know, I to your point, I I think things have largely well. I mean, they look they've gone the way we said they were going to. They were going to be they were going to be released and based in Mexico and work in Mexico. And I I've I've held true to that, and I've I've let people entertain their New Japan Junior Division theories and their Noah theories. Which let me tell you right now, you'll hear it first, and you'll hear it often on this podcast. SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara are not going to pro wrestling Noah, and if they do. There is a bigger story at play there. I would be stunned by that. They are they not, would not going to pro wrestling first, Noah. The, they would not be the a prime motivator for whatever that story would be. They would just be secondary, like something else happening in the wake of it, I would say. Yeah, so 
They're going to hang out in Mexico. And I, I am of the belief of, you know, once the powers that be are no longer in power and things get shaken up, okay, well, maybe that's something to revisit if both parties have, have an interest there. But we're not at that point yet. We're, we're in the beginning of a new chapter, which is these guys are freelance Mexican independent workers now. And, and we'll see what comes of that. They have the talent to succeed anywhere in the world. It's going to be a matter of opportunity. I mean, I, I worry for anybody that wants to make a living off of AAA just because of how disjointed and unorganized that promotion is. I mean, I would give anything to have these guys jump to CMLL already because if they showed up in Arena Mexico, I think they would destroy. And Mike, if they showed up to Arena Mexico, I'd be buying you and I plane tickets to the next show because I would want to be in person to see that fiasco. But they're, they're going to be in AAA. And uh, we'll see what comes of that. Like I said, you know, just I, I worry for anybody that wants to make a living off of AAA and all the Nazis and the hoops that they have to jump through. But these guys are talented, so we will see what comes of it. Yeah, and it's something that, I mean, at least for me, who's to say, well, like SB, he might show up in on Texas Lucha shows. Like, That'd be great. To my knowledge. Yeah, like, so, so there might be potential of getting to catch the two for me in person, which you know, kind of exciting. I, I, I'm down with that. Did you have any other uh, points you wanted to touch on the overall SB Taku situation? You had an excellent article up on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I forget which day of the week. I think it was a Saturday. Yeah, you, you, you I, I, I was, uh, I was expecting to write a big Kobe World feature that day, and then I woke up and I saw that tweet, and I was like, well, okay, all right, well. We might not get to the Kobe World uh, article that I wanted to write now because that was sort of my time to write, and it was spent doing SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara things. That article's up on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, it's entitled Shooting Stars. what I call it? Uh, Shooting Stars, The Demise of Drangate's Best Prospects. In there, again, I kind of talked about how we got here. And then what I wanted to talk about with you, Mike, was the legacy of SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara. We'll start with seniority. We'll start with Kento. When you think about his time in Dragon Gate, December 2019 through, for all intents and purposes, uh, July of 2022, what are your thoughts? So I, it's interesting because if we are going to kind of handle it just as this time period with no expectation of a future, in a lot of ways, like it's a much more compressed time span, and and of course it's like a completely different generation. It's not completely dissimilar to magnum tokyo's legacy in a way i wonder if we when we get away from this like i have been thinking about for next year being the uh, 25th anniversary of the uh, torimon landing like a big magnum tokyo article and i've been going back through stuff looking up stuff and though and, and the times since deciding to do this and the person that like i i he's starting to remind me of as we're kind of leaving his era is magnum tokyo and, and i think that is like there were very few people who had sheer presence immediately the way that both sb kento and magnum tokyo had and it was something that was clear in his debut match with yamato and Naruki doi and now jackie funky kame and it was as clear as kobe world 2022 he had a command of presence that was preternatural in the same way that Magnum Tokyo was just a star on a different level in 1999 and 2000. And that's what I feel. I find myself kind of thinking about it. It's less so than 
his huge turn becoming SB Kento and then doing four out of the five eliminations of the RED versus Torimon uh, generation disbands match. I think about like just like this was someone that like presence wise, charisma wise, that does not come very often. And the person that reminds me most like him is Magnum Tokyo. That's really interesting because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that comparison at all. But I certainly see what you mean, especially on the front of these guys just wrestling with so much charisma from the start. I mean, you watch Magnum in Mexico in '97, in WCW in '98, Michinoku Pro in '98, or obviously you'll watch the first Torimon show. And in the ring with Shima and Dragon Kid and Don Fuji and Sua, there is Magnum Tokyo. And for whatever you want to say about Magnum, a man with a very complicated legacy, oh my God, does he look like the biggest star ever uh, on that first Torimon show. So I get it. I will read you real quick a passage that I wrote. This is January 2020 Open the New Year Gate review. This is the first SP Kento at the time Kento Kabune match that I reviewed uh, in the written word for VoicesOfWrestling.com, I said, and I quote, Kabune has a bright future ahead of him. There's an undeniable poise that he wrestles with. He portrays a shocking amount of confidence for someone so young in their career. Given what I've seen, which is very little, I think the aptest comparison for him right now is Naruki Doi. Yes, that's a loaded statement given the fact that Doi is the current Open the Dreamgate champion, but this current title reign will not defy Doi's legacy. Doi is a guy that is always in the hunt, always doing something important and always making his presence felt. And I can very easily see Kabune who is framed in a similar fashion and wrestles a simplified version of Doi's style fitting that mold in quote. So I compared him there to Doi. I think by March, right before the pandemic, I was calling him the next Yamato. And then certainly once we were in the latter half of 2020, I was convinced he was the next Yamato, a, a guy that could put this company on its shoulders need be, and carry them into brighter pastures. And to your point about things being uh, so quick and condensed in the grand scheme of things, it's shocking. You know, uh, going back and looking at his history, he wins the Brave Gate belt and turns heel in November of 2020. He's headlining Dead or Alive 2021. He's got the Brave Gate run in the summer of 2021. Uh, going into this past year, uh, going into 2022, you know, he has the Kame match at the end of 2021. And then he goes on a losing streak uh, for a lot of 2022. And then it ends up with him and Hyo and this Brave Gate match at World, which seemed like it was planting the seeds for something big in the future. And that's what I'm left wrapping my head around is, you know, what are the things that Kento and Fujiwara didn't get to do? And there, there was no greater mystery for me than what was coming up for Kento and Hyo. Clearly, a bond was formed there. Clearly, in storyline, there was something more down the pipe that they had planned, and we'll never get to it now. Yeah, we're going to revise that 2025 Kobe World prediction we were both thinking about him standing tall with the Dreamgate. Uh, Takuma Fujiwara is it's almost in a lot of ways kind of reminiscent like not like in the particulars but where he was in his career to taiji ishimori interesting i like that okay that's two comps i hadn't really thought of but two comps that i like yeah so ishimori the rushed 
uh replacement ace for Torimon X uh was looped in through Dragon Door, but was quickly getting his way out of there and into pro wrestling Noah. He and it was something that uh Ishimori, I feel like in 2023 like everyone goes like oh yeah no he was like the the sailor boy but that's kind of all you ever talk about with his link with the dragon system and i wonder if when we like look at this in 2033 if it's just going to be like oh yeah and uh he was a promising rookie remember that 20 years ago uh he did like six months in dragon gate before going to mexico and never came back like i wonder if that's a future we see for fujiwara I'll put this in a way that only you and maybe Jojo Rennie will appreciate. He could very easily be the Dragon Systems Chris Coughlin. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. And, and for the yeah. 99% of people that don't know what that means, Chris Coughlin was a it, Florida Marlins player, won NL Rookie of the Year, and looked like, you know, future all-star, MVP candidate, just a really exciting young player and just never followed up on it. Never had another year even close to what he did his rookie year. As with a lot of Florida Marlins. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the other thing I want to talk about with Kento real quick before I talk about Fujiwara, he single-handedly, I mean, Kakuta has a pinfall in the match. He single-handedly killed the Toriyaman generation. And looking back at some of the gifts from that match, the decimation of Dragon Kid, the Konomama Ichikawa run-in German suplex on SP Kento. That, that is not only one of the best matches I've ever seen, five-star match for me, I mean, I really put it up on that level, but the, the way it was constructed in the way that even in, you know, not an empty arena, but a, a very limited capacity crowd, clap crowd, this, that, the other thing, you know, I always thought that was the difference with Drangate and, and almost everybody else during the pandemic. Yeah, I'll use New Japan specifically. You know, New Japan tried to elevate a lot of guys during the pandemic, and I was always left as a viewer really unsure. Is this working? Is this not working? What's going on? What level are they at? I just oh, can't buddy. tell from the way they book. Yeah, oh, oh, buddy, I think I was kind of leading the charge on that. And leave it to Gene Blast to prove me wrong. But, you know, Dragon Gate, we'd watch it and we go, well, wait a minute, Kamei is certainly in a better spot than he was. And, uh, you know, Kakuta, okay, he's this, he's this young heel. We don't know much about him, but he's clearly being elevated. And then there's SB Kento. And this man is pinning Doi and Yoshino and Genki Horaguchi and all of these guys, all of these legends that don't take pinfalls and then submitting Dragon Kid in the middle of the ring. And we knew it was like, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't cultural differences of we like a guy more than the Japanese crowd. This isn't, you know, uh, the internet crowd playing their favorites. This guy is just a fucking superstar, and he's doing it in the hardest time ever to become a superstar. And that will ultimately be, you know, what I think of him when I think of him in Dragon Gate is a, a can't-miss prospect doing can't-miss work during the bleakest timeline in him really being the guy, you know, we, I think you and I think very highly of a lot of 2020 and 2021 dragon gate in the guy that I think of during that time period, you know, 2020, I think of SB Kento 2021. I think of masquerade versus red and who was in almost all of those matches. It was SB Kento. This was a guy who was just built different. I always compare him. And when he was trying to get bookings in America and promoters would reach out to me, I would say he's Japanese Adam Cole. You know, 
He's incredibly charismatic. He's incredibly talented. And imagine if he was three inches taller. Imagine what his life would be like. And, you know, we won't ever know that, but I, just what a natural talent and, and what a wrestler that I will really miss seeing on Dragon Gate shows. Yeah, and it, it was something that was even, like, very clear that he got it. Even, like, the uh, uh, rather depressing uh, indie run he had, I think that's fair to say, outside of, like, West Coast Pro, uh, Deadlock, and I'm blanking on the other one, Expect I think, the Unexpected. I think he did Prestige. Prestige, and, and Expect the Unexpected. But uh, it was something that he got U.S. crowds immediately. Like, I remember the... I, I constantly go back to the Alec Price match he had where in GCW where yeah. he was just brought in as a replacement and by the end of the match the crowd was cheering for him and it was like oh no this guy got it and and, and that curse king of the indies case i was going to say think king about the of the king indies. of the indies show he's the only bright spot on that entire show they brought in all of these names all of these indie stars and all anybody wanted to do after that show was talk about how good SB Kento was and rightfully so right so like that is at least for me, like, of course, bummed he's no longer within Dragon Gate, uh, all of those things. I'm fascinating because to see what what the next five years look like for him in particular because he's someone that, like, there may be a cultural gap a little bit, but he understands pro wrestling at a level that, like, I, it, it happens very rare that you see someone do what he did at King of the Indies. And that it's going to be fascinating to see if he pull, if he takes from that in his future. And I think that that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. And I think a lot of the same can be said for Takuma Fujiwara, who I want to start by throwing this at you, Mike. Are you aware he only had one pinfall victory in his entire Dragon Gate career? Yeah, it was that five-way rookies match to decide who faced Aya like two days later at uh, Champion Gate 2023 or 2022. So just to put a greater emphasis on that, yeah, it was that five-way rookie elimination match where it was him and the Ahashi brothers and Minorita and Fuda, and they constructed a match to where Fujiwara clearly looked like the best of the bunch, but didn't look dominant. He only beat Ishinihashi uh, with a sunset flip to get him to that match with Dragon Daya. He never won another match in his dragon gate career he was on the winning side of some tag team matches but he himself never won another match which is mind-blowing mike we talked about this guy legitimately and i stand by this from january of 2022 through may of 2022 he was one of the best wrestlers in the world in the conversation with a Moxley, with an Okada, with a Danielson, Omega, etc. He was in that conversation before he went to Mexico. And even though his work in Mexico ultimately subsided just because he didn't have the same quality of opponent, the same things you said about SB Kento, just understanding wrestling on a fundamental level. I was so blown away. I was already in love with this kid when he when he started wrestling in Dragon Gate, and I just saw the way that crowds took to him, that he took to it, he, the way he took to new challenges. It was all so exciting. And then I saw him in Mexico, and I saw him just get it immediately, whereas La Estrella did it, and Junta from Noah did it. Fujiwara just got it. And it doesn't surprise me with everything that we've learned about these guys 
that they just like living in Mexico and they like working Lucha shows and they like living that life because from Fujiwara's first match on, it's like, oh, he he looks like a veteran. I mean, he looks like he's guiding people through his matches. That's insane. At the time, he was 21 years old. Well, what he is is abnormal. And if it works out in Mexico, great. If it works out elsewhere, great. It As someone that, yes, does a Dragon Gate podcast, and I try to separate, you know, we try to be as objective as we can on this show, but as somebody that is just merely a fan of the promotion, a gut punch to lose to Kuma Fujiwara. To me, he is everything this promotion strives to be from an in-ring standpoint and from a charismatic standpoint. In losing him, we will see. You know, I think these are the biggest losses the company's had since the OWE split. Uh, I said at the time last year, it was proven right. Kaito Ishida, that's going to matter more in the short term than in the long term. By October, Ishida debuted in Glee. Dragon Gate was more than okay with where they were at. Losing Kento and Fujiwara, I don't think it hurts in the short term. I think it could hurt them in the long term. Yeah, it, it's something that uh, it's just the giant question mark, I feel like. That, like, with Ishida, we didn't really have that question mark because we already saw so much of him. I mean, like, he he was almost a 10-year veteran before he left Dragon Gate. Like, that's the wild thing about, like, Ishida was around for, like, eight years. He was injured for a bunch of it, but he was around for a long time. We just did not have that with the with Kento and Takuma, and that just, since we didn't have that time, that just gives leaves us with more questions. Case, you brought up the OWE split. Take a guess who just showed up on my TV screen as we're recording. Oh, would that be one DJ Takahiro Yamamura? No, no, he was on earlier. Uh, one, Junji from OWE. <laughs> and how's Junji looking? Uh, well, he just came out with his pole arm and he's spinning it around. And he's, li- he's still looking as cool as hell as he did in 2018. Wait, what's but his pole arm? He has like a spear. It's like a halberd. Oh, good lord. Yeah, yeah. Because he was one that, that had the uh, black and red face paint. Okay, I look. Bring back Gao Jingja. That man could have changed wrestling forever. And I still like I still think about the alternate timeline where it's like, what if the OWE kids are just on dynamite? Like what if that's just a thing that we came to know and love and it didn't happen logistically it was impossible. And I gotta be honest, Junji showing up in Gleet doesn't make me too excited. What if instead of Wardlow it was Aben? That'd be fucking awesome. I think Aben follows me on Twitter still. I, you know, I hope he's doing well. <laughs> like, I, 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 he he went back into modeling. I, he's a male model now. Yeah, which because of course. do you remember there was like the God? It's weird how we all like really cared about OWE for a second because there was the the thing going around that Aben had retired, and then he found out about it because I think people tagged him, and he had to tweet like, "No, no, no, still committed to OWE," and then like six months later, it was dead. But he was he was very online for an OWE wrestler. Yeah, because he was the one that all the TikToks were about before we knew what TikTok was. What a great like, app. I, didn't, I love it. I, I did not know about TikTok before OWE. I was like, I was is. early on TikTok because I, I watched a lot of funny looking people doing lip syncs to country music songs, because that's kind of what the app was at first. Because it came from the Musically app, which you know what Musically was? It, it was a 
karaoke lip sync app, right? Yeah, which I look, I don't get it. I, I wasn't uh, an active participant on it, but I loved watching it. So I was early on TikTok, so I got a lot of rednecks doing funny things and a lot of Chinese wrestling experimentation. Which, like, to be honest, that's all I really want from a short video site. Like, unless it's things exploding or people, like, getting owned in America's Funniest Home Videos vein. Like, that's why Vine was so great. It was seven seconds, perfect amount of time for a kid to run around with a knife or someone to be hit in the nuts. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any other? Well, let me ask you this before we move on from these guys. You know, I talked about Kento and sort of what was left for him, which was, you know, a feud with Hyo and his eternal rival and Jackie Funky Kamei and what he would have done with Madoka Kakuta, let alone the fact that he never wrestled a Mochizuki Jr., a Kaito Nagano, a Yoshiki Kato uh, for Fujiwara. What do you think was left on the table for him? I mean, I I don't think I'm being hyperbolic, but like his entire career. I'm not trying to be flippant, but I mean, he was like, I, I, I think that if you were someone who's now new to Dragon Gate and you just joined up in 2023, you mentioned it a little bit about him in early uh, 2022, like, we had Jay on the program and Jay openly say talking like, Oh yeah, no, he was the best part of those shows and just the potential of, of what that could have been at least in the near term. He was becoming a house show draw because people they'd want to show up to whatever, you know, hotel conference center they were booked in in whatever uh, village they ran in. And they wanted to see what Fujiwara was going to do. He became that level of a, of a draw instantly uh, this made me sick to my stomach thinking about we never got Takuma Fujiwara versus Masaki Mochizuki in a singles match. Yeah, I, I we only got very, very shallow into the rookie versus vets things for him. Like, I remember a Fuji match, but that was about it. That feels like, I mean, that's like an entire lost story now of Mochi and Fuji and like Kondo versus Fujiwara and Minorita, but at the time, Takumi Hayakawa and Shoya Sato. That was like, a, like the Sato versus Fuji thing was real. And then one day that just because, you know, because Sato got hurt and had to retire, which anybody you ask, they go, well, the victory was that Sato debuted in the first place. You know, not that he had to retire young. That was, uh, that was sort of what everybody expected to happen. They were uh, amazed that he could just debut at all. But like, they dedicated time to Sato versus Fuji, and it just disappeared one day. Yeah, and especially with like Sato, like taking it to Fuji, like that was like yeah. the big thing. Is like Sato was starting to get his ass, and then the class of 2020, 2021 were beating down Don Fuji. Like it was like right to the point where they were about to make that singles match, where probably Sato was going to win with a cross arm breaker. So I guess what I need to do now, and I know this match is on YouTube, but I think it would be a, a fascinating match to look back on now, is to look at Sato's retirement match, which was Fuji, Mochi, Ryo Saito, and Susumu versus Ishin, Minorita, Shoya Sato, and Takuma Fujiwara. That's on YouTube. That probably needs to be rewatched at some point. Just to, you know, that match was only a year ago. Doesn't that seem like it was five yeah, and that's why I wonder, like, how much uh, Fujiwara's history will be linked to Dragon Gate, like Ishimori's. 
because it does feel like that like time distortion that was a lifetime ago. Yeah, it's I mean, he's been gone for a year now. His last Dragon Gate match was June 5th. It was high end Ben K, Dragon Kid and Yamato versus Estrella, Fujiwara and Ultimo. And, you know, we're, we're now in that position where, again, that's just it, it's amazing the way that time works and, and the situation we are in. My final point for you before I move on. Do you agree with my statement that this is the biggest loss since the OWE split? I think just because, and you laid this out beautifully in your article, th- these guys that left since 2018, they y- you could put them in a couple camps. You have the veteran retiree camp. You had the folks who'd rather be doing something else. And then you have Shingo Takagi, right? Like, like when we really boil down to it, you have like the retirement camp, Shingo Takagi, who, and I guess you can kind of put Eita in that as well. And then just people that just didn't work out. And these two don't fall into those categories whatsoever. Like these two, like, well, SB Kento, like, again, like compressed era, but the importance that SB Kento held for those three years is you, you can't tell the story of Dragon Gate over 2020 through 2023 without mentioning SB Kento heavily in it. And that makes the fact that the, it, it, it's a loss it's a I, I i think the first time when people are like asking me about the situation is like well well what's your read of it my my response almost to a person was it's a bummer and like that <laughs> and i did not think about that about ks i'm sorry to say this i did not think about that about super shisa did not no. really think about that with ksk akuda uh shoya sato was a bummer that quickly became very clear that like the accomplishment was already there and yeah, it and, almost would have been a bummer for his body if he would have continued to wrestle. Right. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and that's why I, I feel like that just like if you compare them like point to point, it's just like these are two completely different animals. Like it, when everyone over the summer was chicken littling and running around like the sky was falling, things weren't falling. And it's not that we expect things to be falling without SB and Taku. It's just one of those things that you you had to feature them heavily in whatever fantasy booking scenario you engage with with the future of Dragon Gate. Whereas you really couldn't do that with Nuriki Doi. Like you know, like you should. Like if you're playing Toll Extreme Warfare case, like you're you're gonna use Nuriki Doi a lot, but you know that his you, you know that you only have a couple more years of warfare, whereas you have your Kento Kabunes and Takuma Fujiwaras who are basically like, hey, uh, we will figure into whatever plan you have as long as this, because we are that young and that experience. And I think My that's big, kind of the roundabout way about me answering that. Sorry. No, no, I, I, that's exactly what I was looking for. I mean, I, you know, my big cross to bear is one dragon gate. Historically, Toriumon and dragon gate historically have had lots of turnover. It's actually specifically only the golden era, like 2013 to 2017, where there wasn't a lot of guys coming in and out of the promotion. That is a, a, a historical anomaly in the 25 years that this promotion has, has existed. And then two, you know, this narrative of, oh my God, they're losing so many guys. What are they going to do? I was like, okay, well, Shisa meant nothing. Gamma meant nothing. I loved Ricky Ihashi, but he meant nothing. Shoya Sato meant nothing. And they are in a position where they don't need Kaito Ishida. So... Are they losing guys? Yes, but if you're losing, you know, the guys at the bottom of the ladder, it, it's fine. You know, they've 
they would be able to survive just fine without them. So uh, it's interesting just hearing the way that some people talk about modern Dragon Gate and, you know, the sinking ship that it is and uh, the chaos backstage and, and all of these things that I, I just don't think are true. I think they, they've lost a lot of rookies and they finally shed some dead weight. Uh, and I say this with love to Super Shisa, but the, the dead weight of, you know, veterans on the roster that were there for far too long. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting comparing and contrasting that era because it was not like that there weren't departures then. Like Naoki Tanizaki probably was the most prominent one, I would say. But that also was a time period that really comparing the Dragon Gate development program in 2023 to 2016, like people were starting to come out like 2016 just to put it into like context was seen as like an earth shattering class just because the amount of people there because of how for basically a decade leading up to it'd be one person two, a lot of years of no one and i think that that also had maybe not forced complacency in that time but there was not necessarily a kinto kabune takuma fujiwara or even a mochizuki jr just just begging like figuratively begging for ring time that shouldn't be going to like your super shisas, you know? No, I mean, look, the gap from Yamato's debut to Ben K's debut is actually pretty bleak. You know, it's T-Hawk who took a while to develop and it's Ata who took a while to develop. And then it's Lindemann who was good from the start, but had a ceiling on him because of his size. Those are the guys that made an impact from 2006 to 2016. It's, uh, you know, a phenomenon that's come through in the last decade where we go, oh, you know, Drangi, they're the best at developing young talent. They always have guys coming in under the system. That wasn't the case for 10 years. It's new. It's 2016 and beyond that we've really seen a, a, a change in the way things go and specifically a change from 2018 and beyond when certain people left the promotion and all of a sudden the pathway to become a Dragon Gate wrestler uh, changed and from my understanding for the better. Yeah, and it's another thing to think about when we say like 10 years, like you could really take it back if you want to be re- if you want to take a super pessimistic view of it you could take it back to Torimon X like there was like a 15 year period that like after Torimon X landing like it was okay you have Shingo and then six months later we have Hulk it was a lot more similar to the rest of the wrestling industry right now and it it really was those last seven years and I think you do as you're saying you do have to look and and put on your thinking cap and think about who's there now who is not there and how things have changed and I feel I, I feel like our listeners can can draw a similar conclusion to us, you know? Yeah, very much so. So uh, those are my thoughts. Those are my long-winded thoughts on the legacy of Kenta Kabune and Takuma Fujiwara and Dragon Gate. And as long as they continue to be interesting, I think you and I will, will talk about them when it's appropriate. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- just like all the other departures of the Dragon System, they're still Dragon System. I, I mean, we don't have a whole lot to say about your uh, Keisuke Akutas anymore, but we still that, keep that, That's not true. My, Mike was up in my DMs this weekend talking about Keisuke Akuta. <laughs> I might not have a lot to say, but Mike does. Oh, uh, the, 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 that is someone that I... They made the right decision there. Uh, uh, lo- looking very drawn doing Dove Pro. That's what I'll say. Look, looking like he he like lost twenty five pounds. No, like 
and uh he apparently finally won a mma exhibition finally oh good yeah i i, I don't know what his offer is at that time but we he's like over he's like oh and eight yeah it, it it's real bad people it's it's it, you know some people should be left in the past and i think that we have all kind of collectively taken a look and decided all right mr danger zone we could leave that in 2020 but case uh that we we brought up other names some old names and, and generational changes but that's because that this promotion the dragon system is a promotion that the history of the promotion is intertwined it is something that they are still maybe writing from writing the same book, but it's a different volume right now. And announce, I'm trying to find out the exact day when this got released, but in a little bit of synchronicity, I would say, uh, big upload from Dragon Gate, uh, a remastered version of the first ever four-way six-man tag with English commentary, Do Fixer versus uh, versus Crazy Max versus Italian Connection. And I'm blanking on it. I'm blanking on the fourth name right now. It was Shinem 2K. Shinem 2K. Yes. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, also on VoicesOfWrestling.com right now, Aaron Taub reviewing this match. I don't think Aaron knows. I whenever I talk Dragon Gate to Aaron Taub, it goes in one ear, out the other. So it's not linked whatsoever. But we have a review of someone watching that match for the first time up on Voices of Wrestling. But 8:30-2003 case. What? like just like thinking about this match and thinking about like what to take away from it like we're we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of it and now that it's up and it's the first of many they're calling this english commentary best bout it was uh jay with hoho and ginky horiguchi on this i think that there's a version of it also up on youtube maybe yeah it's on the dragate network youtube channel as well so it's free for everybody so okay so, uh i would say that with the exception of uh i i mean later like 2016 three ways and four ways this was the special one this is the one that kind of broke the bro bro broke the fabric of what people could expect from uh Lutarasu, i would say well it's so good that it overshadows the two three-way trios matches from july of 2002 the july 7th one and the july 14th one which if you go back and watch those, those are some of the best matches in Toriumon history and by proxy Drangate history, but no one starts by recommending those. You know, that's not the first thing on the tip of anybody's tongue because you have 830.03, which is not only, you know, I certainly wouldn't argue if you said it was the best match in Dragon System history. I wouldn't argue if you said it was one of the best matches ever. It is the, in my opinion, the entry point into this style to almost a fault because if you watch this it, it's impossible to follow 20 years later yeah and, and at least i would say as a dragon system first person this match for the for like the diehards and people who get into it this match is actually what 33106 was promising to be that's interesting i it's the Japanese version of 33106, the Blood Generation versus Doofixer match from Ring of Honor, because I think the the same amazement that Chicago Ridge had for that six man is how Corkin reacts to this match, where it's 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 good, it's good, it's good, and then it becomes wait, what like what am I watching? What is this? 
and when you like look at this for where uh Torimon Japan was in 2003 you're basically having the top that these were like the 12 top guys from the four top units like I, I I'm forgetting injuries at this time at, at, at right now but when you're talking work rate wise you really want Shuji in there instead of brother and you already have Milano and Yoshino uh, oh it's it's, Shima, it's all the it's all the top guys but Darkness Dragon who was hurt right yeah I would but also in 2003 with like that Indu Fixer, I would go with Ginky and Susumu. You know, like the person well, I was Genki's thinking about year. was Yeah, it's Ginky's year. Like the person I was thinking about was if this was during a Rio Saito injury or not. Ooh, I can I'm I'm curious now. Uh but you know, I mean, yeah, to your point, look, the the match starts, and if you've never seen the match, I think Jay and Ho Ho do a, a good job of breaking down the match. They they're kind of weaving in and out of this is an old match that we're doing like historical commentary of and then in the moment commentary which i i imagine is a tremendously difficult thing to balance and i think as they do more of these they'll figure that out but the big thing to note is that when the match starts it's shima magnum mochi and milano all in the ring at the same time which is is crazy uh to your point and i do have to issue a retraction here Rio Saito is healthy, as is Kness. The opening match on this show is Mori and Doi versus Kness and Saito. So it's all the, it's all the top guys. Uh, this, these are the 12 biggest guys in, in Toriumon at the time in this match. Yeah, and it's in the way of just like also context here for people who are who catch Aaron's article. They see the YouTube. They're not really kind of into what was happening in Toriumon in 2003. This is right before the Torimon X landing, if my timeline's right. Like, this is T2P versus Torimon Japan has ended its combined roster now. You had Italian Connection going through, like, basically the only people who escaped T2P versus Dragon Gate unscathed. And they're thrust into this. I mean, you brought this up, Case, but you have Shima, you have Mochizuki, you have Magnum Tokyo. Those are the three guys for 2000 and basically or basically 1998 through 2004 like those are the 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 three uh sons that the Torimon japan era just circled around during that time and you're throwing in milano who was the unquestioned ace of t2p and then they just go out there and they weave magic so to your point and i never really thought about this in the context of this match the Torimon x japanese landing was august 22nd 2003 so a week before this match Right. Yeah. So like this is at a time of great turbulence within uh, my understanding of the uh, general Torimon politic, I guess I would say like this is like after this match case, like what really is there to be said about Torimon Japan, just Torimon Japan proper for the remainder of the year? Like other than, of course, Ginky Horiguchi being like the wrestler 2003, like this is kind of like one of the last big blasts other than like Sua versus Dragon Kid. It's funny that if you watch 2003 Toriumon all the way through, it's a deeply unsatisfying year of the promotion because it's, it's peak Ultimo bullshit. It's Ultimo and Magnum with short matches, heavy angles, in some cards that are just horrific on paper, they're not much better in execution. But people think of 2003 Torimon, they think of El Numero Uno 2003, they think of this match, and if they, you know, if they know what's up, they think of Shima in June 
versus Milano and Magnum from October, which is, you know, like a four and three quarter star match. Some of the best stuff that came out of Torimon or Drangate period came out of 2003, but it's one of those years that peaks high and has a, a devastatingly low floor. Yeah. And it, it, it's just such a fascinating time because I, well, like I had to, like you had to refresh my memory about the June match because like that is such divorce out of context of what we were getting. It, it's, it's the most hidden gem there is. It's from Ray Day Perias 2003, and it's Shima, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but Jun Agayuchi? Close enough. He was a T2P guy, was a scrub, he was nobody, and for some reason, I don't even remember why in storyline, he got added to Crazy Max and becomes all caps Jun, and they do Shima and Jun versus Milano and Magnum, the two top heels in the company, and it's... Mike, that match is batshit crazy. I mean, it's so good, and it just comes out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting it to be that good. And so I, you know, I think if that is one of the high points of 2003 Torimon, because it, it is. Yeah, uh, June became one of the many attempted fifth members of Crazy Max, and this is the match to talk about. He did hold the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship once, but he's now, I, I, I think he's now more known like, like coincidentally as the guy behind secret Bay. yeah so as for a3003 look it's i'll say this i think it's the hardest match there is to write or talk about and i think aaron taub ran into this i've reviewed the match uh i think for a secret santa maybe uh over at voiceofwrestling.com you can't write about it and even now you and i have talked about everything it's hard to talk about this match. You just have to go watch it. And luckily now, if you've never seen it, or if you just want a refresher on it, Jay and Ho-Ho on the Dragon Network and on YouTube have English commentary for the first time for it. Yeah, and it has one of those great uh, masters from this. Like that, 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 That's one of the other awesome things about them and them putting this on YouTube. We've talked about this, about how you know, a lot of Torimon and Dragon Gate for the longest time, I mean, came from DVD and VHS rips. So we weren't getting just the best quality available because of just how tapes work. But now we have this mastered from the original. I don't know if they were still on Digibeta in 2003. I, I would like to think they were. Digibeta was a fun format case. That's certainly a Mike Spears topic that I can't contribute to uh, as to what they were shooting on in the year 2003. <laughs> I'm going to let you hypothesize that in your own time. Yeah, I, I'm going to save that as a question for a special someone we'll be talking with this weekend. Yes, a, uh, a big Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival 2023 preview hitting your feeds next week. Yep, it's Kobe World Week. We've been cooking this up. There's a lot of stuff here. I've got a piece coming out. Uh, Liam Byrne has a, a preview, I believe. And we have a lot of stuff coming out next week. But uh, yeah, we will be having a long... It, it's kind of the annual tradition at this point, I would say, with Jay, where we talk about Kobe World and kind of the state of Dragon Gate. I'm certain we'll have a, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, Jay, and uh, you can expect that on your feeds this weekend, probably on Tuesday. But case I know you are right now. You're playing through the pain here. We're about to, we're we're about to go in here. But case so we're at this nice point. Like the one good thing about Dragon Gate's calendar this year is it's very clearly defined into first six months, last six months. This is not necessarily a Dragon System buffet episode, even though it's kind of has a tenor of one of those. We were going to do 
full half year awards because I know your voice is hurting a little bit here. So let's just talk about the top three matches that we have so far in Dragon Gate in 2023, at least in the first half before we get out of here. Yeah, yeah, we can uh, we can absolutely do that. Uh, my match of the year this year, I'll go, I'll go three to one. How about that? I'll, I'll go beauty pageant style uh, in, in a way. Uh, my third best match of the year, I think it's a match that I like more than every other human on the planet. Shun Skywalker versus Yuki Oshioka from January 12th. What, what are your thoughts on this one? That was my number four. That was okay, my right. number four. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you were so high on it. I, I thought you were much lower, actually. No, I had it at four and a half, and my uh, star ratings, my three and two are at four and a half, and my only four and, a, four and three quarter stars match is my match of the year. So this was like, you, you know how I do my rankings. I, I kind of had to stick true to my ranking, to my rating, and when it came down to it, I liked the other matches, the, the two I selected at four and a half stars a bit more. To me, this is uh, Peak Shun Skywalker as just this brooding, plotting heel. This match, unfortunately, just missed the cutoff for vocal audiences, so it's kind of the last relevant match of the Clap Crowd era, uh, but it still it carried the entire time for me. Shun just beats and beats and beats on Yoshioka, uh, eventually the champion makes a comeback uh, and then Shun is just stronger. Shun is just better. And he wins the Dreamgate belt. A super satisfying match for me right now. My number three match of the year. What about you? So my number three match of the year is uh, from June 2nd, Corkin, the open the twin gate title match. Uh, Kongo's uh, Shuji, Kondo and Kano defending it against M3K, Susumu and Kanda. Let's talk about it now because it's my number two. You have the floor. Yeah, this is just one of those matches that I it, it's going to be interesting how the schedule is with it being so like backloaded towards like the big shows, King of Gate, whereas in the first half of the year, other than, of course, Madoka Kakuda, I I know I've been on this soapbox for a while. Susumu and Kanda are one of the big stories of the promotion and just like the demolition of Kanda's knee and the way they worked about it like the 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 the, the pfs on the floor just landing on his knee and it, it is something where we we talk so much about uh yazushi kanda this perhaps being the best match of his entire career but who is the backbone of every one of these matches when we talk about the twin gate division when we talk about dragon gate really over the last 25 years who is the backbone susumu and susumu was excellent with this getting in towards the end. And then I just go back to Rio Saito at ringside selling the King Kong Lariat in the finishing stretch. And I'm sorry, like the, it, it, the, those are the moments that like will last with me. And I think that this match probably it, it's, it, it was strongly number three for me. Like I, as much as like, I like Shun and Yoshioka, as soon as I saw them all listed, it, this wasn't easy. In a year where we're going to get at least two Omega versus Osprey matches and Brian Danielson versus Kazuchiko Okada, there is no chance this match finishes outside of my top 10 this year. It might end up being my number 10 if the second half of the year is loaded. I just love this match. It's the best Kanda match I've ever seen. Uh, Kano was next level good. Kondo was next level good. Susumu was Susumu. I have no notes. Uh, four and three quarters for me. All right, then, since since that was your number two match, let me talk about my number two match, which I think is your number one. Uh, from Dead or Alive on May 5th, the Open the Dreamgate title match, Shun Skywalker versus Madoka Kakuda. I had it at four and a half stars, and they told the story. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they stuck the landing. You know, this was this was telling stories the right way. This was uh, wrestling as theater, if you will, uh, but done in a way that is digestible and not just atrociously awful. It was Shun versus Kakuta two years after Kakuta's monumental injury, and it was everything that it should have been. You know, Shun beat him down. Kakuta showed why he was the hottest guy in the promotion, and in the end, the good guy won. I they stuck the landing here with four and three quarter stars for me. My Dragon Gate match of the year up to this point. And I think my number two match of the year worldwide behind Omega versus Osprey. Yeah, it, it's something where this is a one of those matches that not only we're going to look back five years ago and be like, oh, yeah, that was like the, the story of Madoka Kakuda's career, like is going to be highlighted. Like the, if this is not like the underlined point about he has this uh, this career defying match with someone two years to the day after having a very traumatic injury i don't know how what else would be and then you also have the fact that i think like five years from now we will be set we will be saying five five twenty three not just because of this match but because of the launch of the reiwa generation and i think that in of itself because i i'm not like a pure in-ring person like you can't be completely divorced of the situation like we tried that for three years with clap crowds you i i, I think everyone at the end of the day can agree like we, as much as you can try to ignore it you you have to ha- encounter intangibles and this is a match that i can't think of a, a match really probably other than uh kobe world 2019 where it felt like such a, like a predestined and momentous moment that i i can't think of very many moments of that level like this match uh the the only caveat i would have in the gap between ben versus pocket 2019 and this match in may of 2023 is and I, it's funny i was thinking about this match today and how i i just i want to live it again in a better timeline was Ata versus doi from 2020 when Ata won the belt because that that was Ata's moment i mean there was a kobe world main event that just happened to take place in wakiyama and that felt like a giant deal when it happened to me. Yeah. And I, I think for you, how that Wakayama show was, that was for me in 2019. I mean, I have my L publicly posted on Voices of Wrestling about that, uh, about what moment I thought that was. But this one, it feels even more crystallized as we're now a month and 15 days away from it. So that was your number one match of the year, correct? Yeah, that was. So your number one, I did not have in my top three. Spoiler, I had it at my number four. Uh, please wax poetically about the best match you've seen in Dragon Gate this year. This is the best match I've seen in wrestling all year, Case. I liked this more than Omega versus Osprey won. I liked this more than the Gene Blast, and I love the Gene Blast. But my match of the year right now is the Rey de Parejas finals from, May, oh, from March 2nd from Cork and Hall. It was Susumu. Uh, Mochizuki and Izushi Kanda versus uh, Madoka Kakuda and Yuki Oshioka, where I went four and three quarters. And it, it was something where from the minute go with uh, Kanda and Susumu doing Alcapoco t- tornadoes and like Tope calling hellos, it was one of those matches where it, it was re- unrelenting. It was the idea of these two guys past their physical prime, maybe not their wrestling and emotional prime, but past their wrestling prime, taking on the two main characters of Dragon Gate and just not taking everything 
that Yoshioka and Kakuda dished out to them. Yoshioka, fresh off losing the Dream Gate, having a excellent uh, Ray Day Perejas, and Madoka Kakuda deep in the build to what we would see him as nowadays. And again, Yazushi Kanda, he's had two four and a half star matches in the first half of 2023. Case he's having it, it, the best year of his career. It's it, there, it, I don't I don't know of another way to describe it. You know how much I was like, I would crack wise about uh, Gamma 2020 Wrestler of the Year case. You, that, you were, you would famously crack wise about that. I, I, I mean, it was on the whiteboard, baby. It, it, it was a real <laughs> thing. But uh, this match, just like, like I, I, I still think about spots from this match. I still think of, about Kanda pulling out the tornado. I still think about. Uh, the the discus lariat from Kakuda, where the uh, young guys finally prevailed. The young guys put down the old guys, but we waited just five months, or not even five months, three months later, where now the original tag team rings to brain. And I just, it's magical. It's it, it, it's a match that I don't think it's back up on the network now, but I want to go rewatch it now talking about it. No, it should be back up on the network. Uh, everything through Dead or Alive is back up on the network now. Well, I know what I'm watching tonight as I just got depressed by your boy in Gleet. Uh, I, I, you would think I'd be really into uh, Jun Tancho and Tetsuya Izuchi versus uh, uh, Hayato Tamora and Kazuma Sakamoto. But one guy there was did not have the dog in him in that match. You know, I, I do genuinely appreciate all the people in the Open the Voice Gate Discord uh, channel that explain to me why they are enjoying Gleet. I mean genuinely enjoyed reading those comments and the one that stood out to me that i i agree with is when i watch gleet i don't feel like i wasted my time and sometimes i feel that way watching noah or other promotions and i went you know what i have issues with gleet but same i i can let them live just for that reason alone yeah yeah june tancho did a crazy at apron to- tobicano on that I, I, I think i'm becoming i'm becoming a tancho guy i think i am you and but- shima Hey, you know, so sometimes you you got to get on the same page there. Uh, well, Pudge is right now flipping out. I think we will probably have covered all that we can this week. Case anything else you want to touch on before we're out of here? Uh, no. Like I said, next week, Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival preview. You, me, and Jay from Dragon Gate English Commentary will be breaking down everything from Kobe World. Yep, absolutely, and keep your eyes peeled onto voicesofwrestling.com throughout next week as we'll be having all kinds of Dragon Gate content go up in the lead up to Kobe World. It is Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2023 case. It's only 12 days away. Get into it. But that's going to do it here for us this week on Open the Voice Gate. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to support the show, one of the best ways to do that is to go to your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, those are the three big ones, and please rate and review us. It's the best way for people can can discover Open the Voice Gate. But you could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for coming. Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. Hola, my name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. 
if something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.